This is out of office for February 2017. Managing Conflict in Distributed Teams, Part 2. Welcome to the Out of Office Podcast, where you'll learn how to work from virtually anywhere by using the internet for greater convenience, comfort, and freedom. Your hosts are Chris Pudney and Gihan Pereira. Hello, Chris. How are you? I'm really well, thanks, Gihan. How are you? Yeah, really well. It's not often that we do two podcast episodes so close to each other, which is about, I think, about three weeks apart. Maybe it's, even less. It's, it's even less, yeah. Yeah, that's right, because we were talking about conflict last time and we didn't want to leave people hanging if they've been <laughs> in a conflict situation for two weeks waiting to see how to resolve a conflict. Things may well have escalated. <laughs> that's right. So, yes, this is episode two of a two-part discussion on managing conflict in distributed teams. I mean, most teams have conflict in uh, at various times, at various levels, and distributed teams, um, some of the issues that they have are a little bit different from other teams. So in part one, we did talk about different types of conflict that can occur, um, and we broke it down to personal and professional conflicts and, and talked about how to prevent conflict uh, rather than how to resolve it. So we talked about how to either prevent or at least keep it to a minimum uh, by doing things like having a strong, cohesive team culture, um, giving opportunities for team members to express their concerns, to be heard, and also for you as a leader to lead by example. Um, and today we're going to talk about what happens when all of those things won't don't work because it's inevitable. Uh, despite your best efforts, conflicts will happen. And so today we'll talk about how to deal with conflict when it does occur. We will indeed. And the first thing, Gihan, is that you need to act. And the key idea is that you act early because uh, what you want to do is deal with conflicts before they deal with them whilst they're small problems before they escalate into large ones. And uh, in doing research for this, we came across, or Gihan, you came across uh, the conflict escalation model that's been developed by the Danish Centre for Conflict Resolution. And it's essentially a spectrum. At the one end, you've got relatively mild conflicts, like a, a disagreement or something like that, where people see things differently. And then as the conflict escalates, it gets worse and worse to the point at the far end of the spectrum, the, the severe end, you've got open hostility or polarisation where people just quit their jobs or leave your team or, or worse. And the idea then is to try and is to act, is to detect that conflict is occurring in your team and to take steps to deal with it whilst the conflict is relatively mild because if you leave it too long, the conflict gets worse and it becomes more difficult to deal with. And with distributed teams, that's particularly important because when teams are distributed, when, when people are working remotely and separately from each other, when they, don't, when they can't meet in person, the potential for escalation is amplified. So things that uh, if someone says something in, in an office, it's easy for someone to apologise straight away and, and for things to sort themselves out. But if that's done in email or, or maybe on the phone, then uh, the possibility of escalation is, is heightened. So for distributed teams, catching, it, catching conflict early and dealing with it as soon as you can is really important. Yeah, and I've got a couple of examples, Chris, from my work life when I was working in a, in a team where, we, where it was a distributed team. And actually, one was from my business. One is from when I was working in the UK and I had a team. And the rest of my team were in Perth in Australia. And just, again, as you're saying, it's something that can happen with a distributed team where misunderstandings can occur. Um, so sometimes it doesn't have to be a major conflict situation. It's just uh, you say something, especially if you say something in email, and it can be misunderstood. Uh, the, so one example that I remember very clearly um, was an email 
that I sent to one of my team members and uh, they replied um, a couple of days later saying, yeah, sorry, didn't get your email, maybe got lost in spam or something. Um, and uh, then I sent it back and I sent it to them and followed up with an email saying I resent, I resent it, um, but uh, I didn't put the hyphen between re and sent, so it, uh, it said I resent that. <laughs> so, and of course, they, they took it the wrong way, uh, which is, uh, so it's completely unintended, but, uh, and it was a simple misunderstanding, and this was somebody with whom I had a pretty good relationship, so um, we had a little bit of a laugh over it. Uh, I, but they didn't it, threaten to resign or resign their yeah. contract. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Um, but of course, that, I mean, that could have escalated very quickly if we didn't have that relationship in place. And that, that was you know, an unintentional conflict. Um, a similar situation happened some years later when I was running um, when I was running my own business and I was dealing with a client, and uh, he asked me for something. He sent me an email asking me for something, and uh, I replied to him because he didn't specify a deadline. Or a milestone and I replied saying what's the urgency I was really asking a very simple question like what is your level of urgency on this do you need it within the next 24 hours do you need it in the next week or not but he kind of took it as more like uh, I'll get around to it what's the urgency he took it as if I was affronted by the request again it was a good client and then um, he's also somebody with high emotional intelligence and high social intelligence so he was able to address it fairly quickly um, and I didn't even realize that uh, what I had said was ambiguous. Um, so again, it's, it's both those examples just demonstrate when you're working in a distributed team, how it can be quite a challenge to uh, make sure that everyone understands each other all the time and unintentional conflicts don't, don't arise. Um, when conflicts do arise, um, the, the key is to deal with them um, using social intelligence. Social intelligence is, is one of the 10 skills for the future workforce, which was identified by the, by the Institute for the Future. Um, and you may have heard of you know, things like emotional intelligence, interpersonal intelligence, they're all kind of the same thing. Social intelligence is understanding people's behavior um, and understanding that when people do something, um, that's what you see is their behavior, but there is some sort of motivation behind that behavior. And, and when it comes to conflict, um, and actually when it comes to any sort of behavior, we can only see people's behavior. And uh, the first thing that we should do is... Uh, figure out their motivation behind the behavior because depending on their motivation you'll deal with the conflict in different ways and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that in detail but let's talk about like very broadly uh, the four kinds of motivation that people have um, so let's let's look at these from easiest to most complex and uh, the, the four levels uh, briefly are environment skills values and identity. And there is actually a fifth level, which is uh, um, information, which sits above all of them, and it's actually the easiest to deal with. Um, so uh, actually, let's go, let's go through each one of them. So information is where the two parties don't have the right information or the information is misunderstood. Um, like that example that I gave earlier, um, those two examples where um, there was an unintentional misunderstanding, um, and that's all it was, that's all it was. But sometimes, um, People think that they understand what's said, but there may be some missing information. Um, for example, uh, and again, let me pick an email example because it's so common in the workplace, especially in a distributed team. Um, if I email you something saying, uh, or if I, if I ask you, say to you, Chris, um, in email, uh, Chris, I need those changes by 2 p.m. Friday. Um, now, I know exactly what I mean by that, um, but 
there's opportunity for ambiguity and misunderstanding. So what does 2 p.m. mean? Uh, we might be working in completely different time zones. Uh, which Friday? It might be pretty obvious to me that Friday is coming up in, say, two days' time. But if you don't read your email for another three days because you happen to have a, a long weekend and a public holiday, then you're going to respond uh, assuming that it's uh, the next Friday by the time you read the email. Um, and then what, what do you mean by changes? If I say I need those changes, um, I've got to be really clear about what changes I'm referring to. And even if you understand all of that, so you get the right time zone, you understand the Friday, you understand the changes, and what do I actually want delivered? What, what format are you going to deliver it in? So if the changes are, you're going to send me back a Word document with the changes done. It could be a Word document with the changes marked up so I can review it. You could do all the changes, convert to PDF and send it back to me. Um, it could be any one of those things. There's no right or wrong answer because I haven't been clear about it. Um, and even if I have earlier and we've had an agreement, it may not be completely obvious to you. So that's a simple example of um, a simple information obstacle and uh, that can cause conflict. Um, most of the time it's pretty simple to solve and we'll talk about some of the solutions later, but that's the simplest kind. And the next one is environment, which is about where and when. And this is very much, uh, this is very true when we have got a distributed team where people have got the right information, but there's something in the environment that makes it dif difficult. Uh, the fact that you are separated in space, uh, the fact that you might be separated in time because you're working in different time zones, and um, there's office politics going on. Um, even in a distributed team, people, there may be some people jostling for power, and um, people had different moods, uh, especially if you're operating in different time zones. Some people might be just starting their day while other people are ending their day. So they, they've got different levels of energy. And the company culture might be different. People who are working in one office might feel differently than people who work in another office or the people who are working from home. So there are all of these issues around the, um, the actual work environment that can cause conflict. And the next level up or the next level down, if you like, if you're going deeper, is a is a conflicts that arise because of skills. So the environment's okay, um, information's okay, but people just don't have the skills to operate well in that sort of environment. Um, so you can distribute a team and maybe online meetings aren't run very well because people don't know how to run the meetings. Uh, they don't know how to use the technology well. They don't know how to use email well. So they use, uh, they do certain things through email which makes, it, which makes things inefficient or ineffective and things get misunderstood. Okay, then looking a little bit deeper again. Uh, so the skills are okay, uh, but there's some value clashes. There's a, you know, for example, like this clash of uh, cultural differences. So people have different expectations about how people behave, what punctuality means, uh, standards of living are different in different cultures, and that and that might cause conflicts either because um, some people feel superior or they feel resentful. So all of those issues can happen. So just because people have the right skills and a good environment doesn't necessarily mean that they have shared values. The last one, which is uh, which really cuts to the core of people, is conflict based on identity. So people do have, look at it, we've got the right information, we've got the right environment, we've got all the right skills, we share values, but there's, there's a clash at a personal level. And people have a clash because of their self-esteem or their status or perceived status or their own ego, so their personality is getting in the way. So when 
as a leader, whenever you see a conflict going on in your team, um, then figure out what's going on for each of each person in in that each of those parties. You know, at what level are they behaving, and at what level um, are they, as I said, that what what's their motivation that drives their behaviour? So, how do you figure it out? Well, in in office team, you just go and talk to the people. You wander over to their cubicle. You wander over to the office. You take them out for coffee. You can't do that all the time in a distributed team. So. Just think about how you're going to do that. Um, are you going to do it with the email? Email's okay uh, if you're just looking to get information and facts, but it's not very good for emotions. So you do need to talk to the people involved. If they're in your office, great, you can talk to them in person, but otherwise you may need to talk to them in a phone call or a video conference. Um, so audio or video, that's the, those are your options, but you do need to talk to people directly. You may even consider a three-way video conference call where you get both parties in the conflict involved and you have a, um, and you have a conversation with them, just as you would in, in an office, but you do it in a meeting room. There are a few instances where you might not need to talk to people because this is just a simple misunderstanding and you can just resolve it by email, especially if, if the relationship is good between people and there's, there's a high level of trust. You can do this, but just, just one thing to be aware of is only do this if you are sure, 100% sure, that, that, that everyone sees it the same way. Um, otherwise, what might seem like something really easy to resolve on the surface might actually be, there might be a deeper underlying issue below it. And just keep in mind that you've probably got some of the facts already, uh, probably more so in a distributed team than in an in-office team because you've got um, email threads, document revision histories, uh, you've got recordings of your conference calls and so on. So some of the facts that, uh, that led to the conflict and some of the information that you might need, background material, you might have already. Um, just one thing though is just be wary of holding people too closely to what they've written or said. So it's, you're not trying to say everything you said can be used as evidence against you because sometimes people say things in the heat of the moment, they write things in the heat of the moment, it gets recorded and you don't necessarily want to play it back and say, Chris, now when you said these exact words, what did you mean by that? If the other person backtracks, you can't push them on it and hold them to it because sometimes they're just digging their heels and that's not an effective way to, to manage the conflict. Okay, so in summary, figure out broadly which of those five levels applies for each of the people, and that'll help you understand what the issue is. And if there are people at different levels, uh, which quite often happens, um, so if it's a simple misunderstanding, easy, because both people are at the information level, you can get them to talk and resolve the conflict. But, you know, if one of them thinks it's a simple issue about time zones, and um, Chris didn't understand what I meant by 2 p.m., but the other one is somebody who doesn't like taking orders from a woman or an Australian or something like that or from somebody in a, in a minor office in a remote outpost, then they're looking at it at a values or identity level. And in that case, you've got the clash of different levels. And in that case, you do have to resolve it at that deeper level because one party is at that deeper level. So having diagnosed what level the conflict happens to be at, it's time to go about addressing the issue. And it will really do it. So your role in helping to resolve the issue will depend upon the level that you've determined that you've diagnosed that the conflict uh, revolves around. 
So again, we'll take we'll take um, each of those different levels in turn and talk about the role that you as a team leader will have um, in helping to resolve and address the conflict. So starting again, we'll, we'll work from simplest to most complex at the informational level where it's a, a simple misunderstanding or an absence of facts or some opinions. Then your role is to be an advisor. It's relatively simple and straightforward. So it's best if you can get the, the parties involved to come up with their own solution. You simply advise and guide them. And in a distributed team, it's probably something that could be handled using email or they might be able to use an instant messaging tool or some other way of, of, of resolving it um, electronically without um, without having to get face-to-face -face or, or, or call each other. And depending on the solution that they come up with, it might be something that's useful for the rest of the team. So take a note of it and perhaps share it with the rest of the team. Then going to the next level, we we're talking about an environment, so it could be something around the culture of your team or organisations, a mismatch in time zones or some policies that aren't working. This is this is going to be in your wheelhouse as a team leader. You need to act as a manager. So, again, you can engage with the people involved and ask for their suggestions, but it's really it really falls to you to take action. And depending upon the nature of the conflict, the, the issues that you have to deal with sometimes are going to be completely with you, within your control. So it might be that you've got an us versus them culture that's developed within your team. It might be the way that people aren't clear about how to use email when they're communicating. So there might be some policy that needs to be cleaned up and, and communicated to your team. Those sorts of things are within your control and you can take action on them. Other things will be external to, to the kinds of things that you control. You might need to call in the organisation's IT support team to, to help you out. You might need to shift some resources into the cloud or there might be some HR policies that need to be applied. In this case, it's still your responsibility to act and make sure these things get done. You just need to call in the services that make sure that happen. I think this is one of those areas, Chris, where um, you really show to your team members, especially the people who are in some sort of conflict, um, just how much you're going to support them, um, especially if, you, hey, if it's outside your control. So, you know, it, it may be something that's fairly easy to resolve between those two parties, uh, but they're looking at you to say that, yes, I've gone to HR. Um, they want to see that you've, you've changed some systems or structures. Uh, and in a distributed team, they really value that you've gone gone into bat for them to make their environment better. Yeah, absolutely, because if you're working remotely, then these are the sorts of things, as, as a worker in such a team, these are the sorts of things that are generally beyond your control. So you need a manager to take, take control and do what needs to be done. Yep. So if we go to uh, the next level, then if the conflict is around skills, so the kinds of tools that people are using, the practices that they're employing, so the environment's right, it's just the way things are going, the way the team are going about things, your role here is to act as a trainer or a coach. So again, it's clearly something that's in your wheelhouse. It's up to you to upskill your team members and provide them with the kinds of professional development that they need in order to learn how to do things well so the conflict uh, the conflict is dealt with and is avoided in future and when you've got remote team members what you can consider is uh, enrolling them in online courses or MOOCs perhaps or if there are workshops that are near where they're located then they can attend those or you can engage with some kind of mentoring whether it's someone from within your team or a mentor from somewhere in the organization 
Then going to the next level, it's about value. So these are things like um, maybe a clash of cultures where people in different locations enjoy different standards of living. So with these kinds of issue, you do want the people who are involved to sort it, sort it out themselves, but you need to act as a mediator to make sure it happens, that the discussions and, and the resolution takes place in a controlled fashion. And in these circumstances, with a distributed team in particular, it's, it's important that you don't just do things by email. Here, it's better if you can get the parties together at the same time, perhaps on a phone or a tele, or teleconference, even better if you can get them on video where the tone and the kinds of visual cues that the that the people are giving can be understood and read by the people who are, who are trying to sort things out. And if possible, it's not always possible. If possible, bring the bring the parties involved together in person. With some remote teams, that's not always going to be possible, but that would be the ideal situation. And finally, the the deepest or most complex level is conflicts around uh, individuals' identities. So if they've got issues with uh, their self-esteem, their ego, they might have deeply held religious or ideological values. Your role in these circumstances is as a counsellor. So these are particularly deep issues and you might be able to to help address them because you may well have um, enjoyed some people skills training. You may well understand or share the particular values that um, are involved in this particular circumstance. So there might be a a way for you to act as a counsellor in these circumstances, but they are they could be particularly deep and ingrained issues. So, Gihan, you mentioned previously, in some cultures, some people might find it difficult to accept um, taking instructions and leadership from females, and that's a, a difficult problem to deal with. And depending upon your level of ability to deal with that sort of thing, it might be better if you hand that over to a professional counsellor or someone from HR in your organisation. Yeah, that's right. I think you know, looking at all of these uh, these five levels, Chris. So we talked about you as a leader and manager taking on different roles. Uh, you know, are you going to be an advisor? Are you going to be their their, their boss, their manager? Are you going to be their coach uh, or trainer? Are you going to be a mediator? Are you going to be a counselor? So part of your job is to take on all of those, uh, or take on one of those roles, depending on which one's most appropriate, depending on the conflict that arises. And you know, good managers and leaders do this anyway. You do this anyway in in, in person team in office team Um, but it's even more important in a distributed team and I guess coming back to the point I made earlier as well Chris it's important to be seen to be doing it as much as it is to do it uh, because your team members are looking to you for for cues and clues and if you're in the same office it's a little bit easier they see that because they see you doing stuff just make sure that whatever you do, um, you share with them as well. So if you say, look, I'm going to talk to HR about this or let, let me talk to IT and uh, you send out an email to IT, you copy the, copy the parties involved as well because otherwise they don't get to see that anything's happening. You tell them that you're going to do something or maybe you don't even tell them and they just think that they, they just sit there with the conflict simmering without realizing that you're actually taking action. So they want to see that actions, um, that, that things are happening and they want to see that you're doing the right thing by them. Good. That makes sense, Gihan. Okay, good. So we talked about the conflict between the two parties, but also consider how you and the team can improve as a result of this. So how are you going to, how are you going to learn from this and improve the environment for everybody? So um, yeah, maybe you do need 
better infrastructure. So things like better collaboration tools. Maybe we need to put more stuff in the cloud so that people aren't working on um, different versions of documents and that cause a conflict. Maybe you need to get invest in better uh, video conferencing technology. Um, maybe you need better processes and guidelines to make things a bit easier for people. So um, maybe you have an email policy that people under, that people uh, read and understand and follow. And sometimes it just means better, better training as well. So um, are you providing the right sort of professional development and um, training and upskilling on a regular basis, not just when the conflict occurs, but um, are there opportunities for you to then revise where what people's skills are and do something about it? Um, and also revisit the team culture, make sure that people understand the shared values of the team, the shared goals of the team, because some, sometimes things like that are uh, the, the reason that the conflict arises. And uh, again, coming back to the part one of this, uh, this topic about uh, managing conflict, sometimes you can prevent conflict um, simply by putting these things in place proactively. And just a couple of last things on this topic before we wrap up, Chris. Um, so one is looking at openness and transparencies. In some situations, some conflict situations, it is worth sharing what happened with the rest of the team. And, uh, generally, because you want people to know what, what's happened and also so that other people can learn from it. But also there are other situations where you don't want to share it, where it's completely appropriate to address and manage and resolve the conflict privately and nobody else needs to know. Generally, you only share with the consent of the people involved and if you think it's going to be useful for the rest of the team to know. And I guess the last thing is for you as a leader, this is an opportunity, conflict is an opportunity for you to use the situation for your own personal development. And so after you resolve the conflict and everyone's happy, think about did you handle it well? Were you able to do it effectively? Could you have done it better? And do you need more training? Maybe there are some skills that you could learn, like facilitation skills or mediation skills or have something to do with emotional intelligence. So use conflict, uh, the, the conflict situation as an opportunity for your own learning and growth as well. Excellent, Gihan. So I think we can wrap things up. I was going to finish things off with a couple of proverbs. First one is prevention is better than cure. And that was one of the key messages from part one, uh, the part one podcast. So we'll have a blog post on outofofficebook.com that's related to parts one and parts two. So if you haven't listened to part one already, seek out that blog post and give it a listen. And then the second pro proverb is a stitch in time saves nine. And that is what I said earlier, act on conflict early before it escalates and becomes more difficult to handle. Yep, great. And my parting comment, Chris, is uh, don't be afraid of conflict. Uh, uh, be open to it. Be alert to it. And uh, as, you, as you said, Chris, uh, address it as quickly as possible, uh, but also see it as just a normal part of a workplace. And uh, uh, just it's part of your role as a leader to, to be able to manage conflict, not prevent it all the time, but be able to manage it with your distributed team members. Great. So we'll be back in about a month's time with another episode of the podcast. Until then, Gihan, bye for now. Bye, and thanks, Chris. Visit our website at outofofficebook.com where you can read all our show notes, subscribe to the podcast, and get our book, Out of Office. We wish you all the best in creating the work style of your choice.